Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to What I Load of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, and Northampton Town Audio Show. This show is sponsored by Cobblers Club Call. Calls cost 50p per minute at all times, except when we lose and it turns into a free counselling line. I'm Tom Reed, and in a show where, with a heavy Irish lilt, I'm joined by three guys well-versed at talking Blarney. It's Andy Bodfish, Martin Maloney and Ian Brunt. How are you doing, guys? You OK? Hi, Tom. Top of the morning, Tom. Yeah, top of the morning, Cobblers fans. I was going to do an Irish accent myself, but realised it would quickly go Alan Partridge when he meets those Irish TV producers. There's more to cobblers than this. So, yeah, I've avoided that one. Martin, you must be in your element with an Irish-themed cobblers show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's been been some good Irish players over the years and some not not so good ones, much much like any other group. Yeah, the day after our... A couple of days after our um, our special day, it's um, yeah nice to celebrate some of those. Yeah, cool. And you can help me with some of the pronunciations of some of the <laughs> Irish place names. Might get into trouble with those later on, but we'll uh, we'll move on to the Irish cobblers later on. Let's move on quickly to the cobblers club call. I talked about it earlier on and um, put it on Twitter. I was going through some old programs and um, just just a different time. The old cobblers programs from the late nineties. 1998 I think it was and there was adverts for Chevy's Chevy's uh, I don't know what it's called Chevy's music place or something uh, what else was there there were various adverts for different things and then I just saw this Cl- Cobbler's Club Call and I know there was Club Call in the 80s it was a bit of a thing you know if you supported Man United or Liverpool or something you'd ring up Club Call to find out but people were really ringing up this premium rate number to find out about Cobbler's it's pretty crazy like Andy was that a number you ever rang uh, I remember Club Call. It definitely started in the late 80s. It yeah. definitely started 87, 88 time. And the main reason I remember it was because um, I just remember my dad touching and going, Ugh, you know, more ways to get money out here. <laughs> Seriously. Because obviously, yeah. you know, you've just, you've just paid three ninety nine for a pair of um, shorts down the club shop and, you know, I'm whinging at him for, you know, the the strip for whatever it was, twelve ninety nine, And then you're ringing up a premium rate number to hear about um, uh, Greg Campbell's knee. <laughs> he, he just, 
he, he, he just he just wasn't into it. And um, we, I, I did do it, it once, but it wasn't that memorable. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what was on this cobbler's cobbler's club call that made people pay 50p a minute or whatever? Like, was it Ian Gilzean reading the works of Tolstoy? Was it Gareth Wilshere's <laughs> really Agony Aunt Corner? <laughs> or John Barnwell's cookery tips? <laughs> Tickets are for Saturday's trip to Rochdale. We'll go on the sale, and so on. <laughs> Martin, was that something you ever rang up? Were you ever that desperate? Yeah, I think I, I think go back to 1989 or 90. I think my first job after leaving school, I was in it like in an office, so you know you had had a phone and that, and yeah, be an hour lunch break, and everyone else would sort of go out or go to the pub or something. I'd just be sat there eating my sandwiches. So yeah, Cobblers Club, cool. You know the the latest on the um, on the on the Scottish pre-season tour, a three-three draw at Hamilton, and we won on penalties or something. It was gold, you know. For, for like you know a slightly autistic kid before the internet was invented. <laughs> oh my God, you know what a what a trove of information. <laughs> work we're paying. Martin, did you have a problem with club call? You can you can admit it now. It's all, it's fine to accept your addictions these days. Come on, Martin, just. All I've got in my mind is what was in the sandwiches. <laughs> I, re- I think I used to have sure, peanut butter and butter. Oh. Occasionally Philadelphia. You know, you've got to treat yourself now and again. That is a big question, isn't it? Do you have butter with peanut butter? Because I, I always have butter with peanut butter, but some yeah. people think that's sacrilege and the butter is already in the peanut butter. Oh, gives a lovely contrast in flavours. <laughs> this is this is premium uh, wallet club call content. Martin talking about peanut butter. <laughs> this is just warming up for the off season. This <laughs> when, we, when, we, when, we go, when we go twice weekly because people aren't getting enough football. <laughs> um, Ian Cobbler's club call. I guess that passed you by, mate. I remember an article, I think, in, in Wallet towards the end, like a little spoof thing about Club Cobbler's Club Call and how badly put together it was and how it was like Ian Atkins talking and like dogs barking <laughs> in the background <laughs> and doors opening and closing. A bit like me trying to record this podcast, really, with my kids running around. <laughs> but, was it mixed but with Jeff, Death so Dogs? Yeah, Jeff. Jeff also nailed it um, earlier when he said, I, "I don't know if the cobblers were particularly guilty of this, but a lot of those premium rate numbers. I think Jeff probably rang a lot of premium rate numbers in his time, yeah. um, and it was like the intro would be very slow because the calls would cost fifty p per minute. So they would it'd be like you're through with a premium red hot." Northampton Town <laughs> hotline. Just a moment, you will hear the latest cobblers news, and they'd like put like jazzy sound effects and stuff in. That's so Just true. Get even more glamorous. But yeah. So yeah, I put it out on Twitter about Club Call uh, just this evening when we were recording, so we haven't had many responses. But we had a cracker response from Ian King, who tweeted us to say, "I used to call it from the works phone." The bill was high and it got looked into. Some woman got a warning for phoning horoscope lines. 
There were a few football ones on the bill, but they never got traced back to me, even though my boss mentioned it. Nothing else was said. <laughs> but I was thinking that, you know, employees of my business, if I was looking through the phone bill, would I rather someone ringing up a porno line or someone ringing up a cobbler's club court? I think... I'd rather them having a bit of, you know, self-respect and ringing up a porno line because ringing up the cobbler's club call is just embarrassing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was looking, I actually went through another program and they actually transcribed a bit from club call. Cob- no, it's called cobbler's soccer line at this point. I think they rebranded it. They rebadged it, you fool, um, <laughs> a few times. So I'll just read you a little excerpt from this. Get ready, guys, because you're going to be at the seat of your pants with this. Okay. Cobbler's soccer line. They said it on Cobbler's soccer line. The atmosphere in the dressing room is great and everyone gets on well on and off the field. We've gelled together quite well considering all the new signings. Although it's going to take time for us to settle down as a team. In saying that, we all know we've got to start winning matches as well. The sooner the better. Sounds like Cobbler's at the moment, actually. Uh, Full-time training has been of great benefit to me. It helps develop different aspects of your game and I'm really enjoying it at the moment, especially having scored a couple of goals as well. That came from new boy Dean Trot on Cobbler's Soccer Light. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine paying 50p a minute to listen to that? Dean Trot on the end of the line. Oh, yeah, Lordy. but that's, that's just a cut and paste. That could be any new signing at any club. Yeah. Over the last 50 years. I would have preferred to ring up and hear Dean Trot singing his uh, signature chant to the song Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot. Do you know, trot, trot, trot. Like, I would have paid 50p. That would have been worth it. But listening to him talking about starting full-time training, was he like a part-time before that? The mind boggles. Yeah, it was, it was non-league. He came from non-league, didn't he? Mm. But yeah, he probably didn't need 50p a minute to, to know that he made that move. <laughs> Martin, you're playing coy. Let's not pretend that you didn't actually know that off by heart because you listened to that 50 times <laughs> back in the day. Funnily enough, when you said it got rebranded from Club Call to Cobbler's Soccer Line, I think when I was ringing it and I was 89 or 90, it was called Cobbler's Soccer Line. Okay. So it's starting to... Leave it out, mate. You were too busy caning your peanut butter sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) And Martin has accepted his addiction and is still paying off that phone bill now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep ringing that number. £58,000 bill. Engaged. Can you imagine you had a night out and you were like, you got home and you were a bit drunk and you're like, right, I want to hear the latest news from Ian McParland. And you rang him up and then you fell asleep with the line on and you woke up like midday the next day and you had it on for 10 hours straight. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll probably get some more info on Cobbler's Soccer Line and hopefully the club will re you know, redo it because it was just, um, it was a good service. So we'll keep an eye out on that one. Right then, let's go to Peter Morse, BBC Stoke summariser, who covers Kirill Alexandra ahead of Saturday's game. How are you doing, Peter? It's a bit of a, um, looks a tough game on Saturday for both teams, I guess. Yeah, fine, thanks. Um, yeah, I think um, there's, there's not many games in League One where you, you wouldn't view it as uh, tough. It's, uh, you know, it's a competitive league, isn't it, with not much to separate the sides and, uh Crew always have a tough time against Northampton anyway, particularly uh, away. Um, so they'll be expecting uh, more of the same, I'm sure. It's a difficult part of the season for both clubs, really. And Northampton are scrapping for their lives in terms of staying up in League One. And Crew are not 
completely out of the playoff picture. And I'm, I'm, even if they don't make the playoffs or promotion, they'll definitely be, want to be as high up as the table as possible. So that suggests a, quite a difficult game for both sides on Saturday. Um, David Artel, an ex-Cobblers player, played for Northampton for a while now, obviously crew manager. He's put a few barbs out in the press this past week about Northampton's playing style. And he's, he's mentioned it before a little bit, and it just seems to be something that, you know, he likes to have a little pop out. Um, he, he was quoted as saying, I wouldn't say their style, Northampton, in brackets, has changed that much. Uh, if there was a spectrum of football styles, they are certainly towards one end, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> so it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, but a little bit of a, of a, of a barb. You know, from the Northampton perspective, maybe, you know, there is, you should play for Northampton, so it means slightly more to him to play Northampton. Than, um, maybe because crew aren't maybe as high as he'd hope that, He's maybe a bit precious about Cruz playing style, maybe. Um, I, I, he's a manager who doesn't mind sort of saying exactly what he thinks, and and, and yeah. doesn't mind. I, I wouldn't probably doesn't even particularly um, take into account if if people don't agree with him. Or I, I doubt that it's a barb in terms of uh, you know a, a purposeful thing to upset or to have no. any sort of reaction. I think it probably just is his view, whether or not you share it. I don't I don't know, and obviously I have no idea if the style has changed since Keith Curl has left. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he can be he can be abrasive, um, but like I say, I think that's just how he is. He's a a Yorkshireman who's always telling us he calls a spade a spade, and he just talks as, exactly as he as he feels. I think he is. Proud of Crew's playing style, um, he, you know, and, and uh, I think that uh, probably doesn't have a particularly high opinion of of long ball football, but respects it and, and knows it can be very effective. Yeah, I was maybe a little bit harsh in my description because, to be honest with you, I'm not saying he's got a, a huge point, but maybe our, our playing style has changed under since Keith Carl when Jim, John Brady has come in, but his uh, his hands are tied in in terms of the players he's got. So yeah. our playing style has changed. We've got to a back four, for instance, and we do try and play out through the back a little bit more. But if you look at the stats, our percentage of possession is still pretty low and we don't keep the ball great at times. So I can see where Artel's coming from. And I'm the sort of person, I'm not you know too sensitive, so I don't take too offence to it. I just think, um, yeah, it's just, I think for fans that maybe Cobblers fans who are a little bit sensitive to our league position and stuff that, and Andy was an ex-player. It hasn't done, gone down great. But for me, yeah, I can see slightly where he's coming from. And, ah, you know, I don't mind a person that calls a spade a spade. So it's no... Let's move on to, well, Crew. You know, that's what we're here for. Talk a little bit about Crew as well. Crew are currently in 15th place. And I, at the beginning of the season, we did a, on NQNTFC Twitter, we did a little um, sort of prediction of where teams were going to end up. And I think I had Crew in the playoffs. And, a lot of the crew fans were saying, oh, thank you. You know, that's really nice and complimentary. And I'm slightly surprised that crew are actually in 15th, probably lower, you know, mid to low, lower mid table, eight points off the playoffs. Are, are crew fans surprised or disappointed or is it just, you know, fair enough? I mean, you obviously get a variance of opinions in any set of supporters. I mean, I, I would hope that they're pretty philosophical about it. I mean, speaking for me personally, um, I think just being comfortable in League One is an absolute luxury um, that, you know, whether you're in the playoff mix or not, does it bother me? It doesn't really bother me. I have to I have to be honest and say that. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that means I've got no ambition for the club, wouldn't love to see them in the championship again. 
But, you know, ha- given the, the years that we've had, um, we had a difficult few years before that. And, and when David Artel took over, we were thinking about maybe non-league. That's what we were worrying about. Yep. So now to be uh, in the in the in, you know the middle of League One and not too far off the fifty point mark, it's um, you know I have to say crew crew were beating Sunderland two nil a couple of weeks ago, playing brilliantly um, and ended up drawing two all and even that didn't really bother me. <laughs> it just I just enjoyed the football, I enjoyed the way that they're playing. Um, there's been one or two performances. Um, of late that have, have fallen well short of the standard and obviously that can't continue and, and people aren't happy with that mm. but um, for me just um, yeah just just the position that they're in is is, is great you know I, I just think that uh, crew fans ought to just um, and I think they do by the way I think they just realise you know the context of the situation the context of recent years um, we're having a great time and watching some brilliant football. Mm. Yeah that seems a bit of a philosophical way to look at it and I don't think League One is a bad league to be in at the moment it's choppy waters in football finances in the world of football and League One just seems to be a league if you're a well-run football club especially with the youth ethic that crew have got that it's just yeah it's not particularly a bad league and if you look at some of the managers in League One now there's a hell of a lot of quality in there you see the Cowleys are just about to go to Portsmouth allegedly Nigel Adkins has been appointed at um, Charlton. So it is a very difficult league as well. You know, it's been a fantastic league to be in. And there's only so many places at the top of that league to get to. So 15th place, realistically, for Crew and Northampton even, we would love to be there, is, isn't necessarily an unrealistic or sort of a, a bad place to be. But fans, as always, fans want to be as high up as possible. And when Crew plays some lovely football, I can imagine the fans think, actually, we could be a little bit higher here, maybe. Yeah, and and you want you want fans to be like that, really. I mean, uh, I think it's probably not that healthy to be everyone like me and just uh, you know n- not really not really being gutted about conceding a two 0 lead late on. But yeah, um, you know, I think that's what supporters are, are for. You want them to be balanced and and um, you know pragmatic about things, but you, you want them to push the club and you you want that feeling of ambition running through it um you know i, I just um and I, I agree i think league one is a decent place to be though i mean it has got those you do get to go to you know bigger clubs you get to go to ipswich and portsmouth and sunderland and those sort of places so you feel like you're in a, a significantly bigger situation than, than than obviously league two yeah um and, and everyone would like to emulate um wickham you know the the, the their, their sort of success a similar size club to to get there yeah um but you see how difficult that is and and you know that it would be wrong to suggest it would be a great deal easier than crew so i'm not saying you don't want to be in the championship but i think that's yeah. a huge step and um you know it would it would bring around its own sort of challenges which uh, mm. which would probably mean let's face it you you, win, you lose more than you win um mm. uh, and you know it's different ways to look at it but i mean I, like i say i've been watching crew for long enough now i've seen a lot of highs a lot of lows and at the minute I think this is a decent place for them to be. Yeah, and it's very important that crew structure is very good, especially in terms of the Category 2 academy that crew have got. You know, it's, it's a very expensive thing to, to operate, so it's uh, always a real achievement. And if you've got that structure, I think it probably stands crew in better stead than certain clubs that are just maybe spending money to achieve or, you know, building stuff on on sand whereas crew just seem to have that structure in place and I think David Artel is a believer that if he keeps doing things right that the success will come 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, obviously, it's been a you know a structure that's uh, well established now, um, and it's not without its own challenges. I mean, it, the, the academy itself and the club itself runs at a loss, and I know the vast majority of clubs do, but they don't have a benefactor who's going to cover that. And the the yeah. business model is that the academy eventually produces players, which are then sold to to bridge that gap, and that's always mm. worked until recent years when you know the, the market and the the climate financially has, has become more difficult and we've seen obviously a couple of sales in this January window which will go a long way to you know restoring faith in the system I don't think that I don't think the faith was waning inside the club but there's been questions asked outside the club but I think what it does do is obviously you know if you get a manager in who believes in and trusts in the players that come through like Artel it does give you a constant flow of new players yeah. um, and, and frankly better players than they could bring in I know we're going yeah. to talk about some some players that have just been sold, but crew can't buy those players. They have to make them. They can't afford to go and get players of the calibre of the ones that eventually come through the system. Yeah. Um, and as long as you you keep giving them that opportunity and understand that there is a cycle to it, um, a natural cycle where you, you throw kids in that aren't ready and watch them learn on the job and become ready and suffer yeah. that. And, and I mean that. You, you suffer that sometimes. You have some dodgy years while... They're not really the finished product, but that's the, that's the process. You know, it's the it's the alternate process to, you know, these the, the lads at the bigger clubs, the, you know, the Chelsea's, the Man United's, and the Man City's who who are there till the 23 and never play a game. Um, mm. crew, crew players play. Um, they have to be ready to a certain level, but they you know they, they learn on the job, and we watch them learning on the job, and, and often you lose and get relegated while that happens. But yeah, they trust the process, and um, yeah, it's it is a. It is it is a, it is a good system and also gives you know, you know an extra dimension as supporters as uh, as fans to you know I think that every crew fan takes pride in the in the homegrown players and follows their careers you know Stoke played Cardiff the other night and crew fans are interested because that was Nick Powell versus Perry NG uh, and yeah. you know so crew aren't going to get to top of the Championship or the Premier League but some of the players will actually Westwood at Burnley and, and everyone sort of lives through that uh, and, and I think it's an excellent an, an excellent way to do that when you support a club that isn't going to get there itself yeah it's the only difficult thing I would say is football you know now and you know for the past maybe 10 years has been quite a sort of a short-termist game and crew are trying to play the long game so you do need fans that are quite patient so you if a young player makes a mistake you just got to say well they're going to do that but I, I just think it's Northampton fans in particular are just used to wanting results like that and will will you know every fan have the patience to to allow the mistakes do you know what I mean it would be very hard to introduce that now at any club uh, I mean obviously you know the crew the crew way as they say started in the um, in the 80s and yeah. obviously generations of fans of and obviously expectations were rock bottom literally then they they applied for re-election to the football league virtually every season then so there was no expectation and that pressure to win uh, would have been very misplaced had it been there so i think that you know once things started improving there was a natural progression in the expectations of support it's definitely risen over the last 10 years it's definitely harder um yeah. than it was i mean um under Dario Gradi they were relegated three times and no one bat- batted an eyelid because they trusted him and, and trusted him to you know bring them back, which of course he did. Um, whether you'd get away with that now, would if crew get relegated? No, I don't think they would sack the manager. They'd be wrong to sack the manager. Mm. Would he get as long as you know maybe in the past? Um, no, I don't think he would. Um, mm. But you know that that is it, it, 
it, it won't work if you if you change the manager every every season. You know, you, yeah. you couldn't. You could, the, the system wouldn't work. Mm. But yeah, they, they do have sort of um, fans who are you know accepting of that and and, and see the bigger picture. Um, like I say, it's more, it's not as relaxed as it was. But to introduce that at a club at like Northampton or anywhere else really mm. um, would be nigh on impossible. I think. Mm. I don't think it's impossible. I just think it needs to be explained in the right way, and it needs the right people need to buy into it. And yeah, it's it'll be, it'll be difficult, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think a lot of clubs will be looking at that sort of model because the way the market's going, it's just so so difficult to bring the right players in. And you know, if you've brought them through the ranks yourselves, you've you've got more of a chance of them playing in the way you know your club wants to. The only downside I would see, or there's a couple of downsides. One is the elite player performance plan, which allows basically richer clubs access to poorer clubs' academies. Um, and that's been going on for quite a few years now. And that sees Northampton, probably Cruz lost a couple of players. Northampton's lost a couple of players. So I've talked to you before about um, yeah. Arnie Chukwamika, taken by Aston Villa, you know, grew, grew up in Northampton and um, came through our academy. But Villa came and then took him for an amount. If he plays for England or plays for you know any number of games in the Premier League, the, the compensation of Hampton received will, will pay in, in significance. So there's that standing in Cruz way, especially, and you know, any other club. And then there's players sort of just sort of winding down their contract and not, you know, garnering the fees that they would have done perhaps in the past. And buying clubs are very savvy to that. So instead of maybe paying for a, you know a big fee, they just say, you know, perhaps they say, we'll take you at the end of your contract. Um, the players that Crew lost in transfer window or you know you can probably go back over a year if you can think of anyone i know perry and g left um were they for the sort of fees that you'd expect or was it undisclosed uh well perry and g is the, the the main one and and fits into the category um that you described there he was yeah. actually only had a few months left on his contract yeah um the only thing i would say about that is is he, he's, I think he's 25 now. I mean, obviously, 24 is the is the year that you can leave for free. Anything before that, then yep. the club is due compensation. By the time a crew player has um, reached 24, like Perry NG, he's played probably 200 games already. Yeah. Um, and you know, if he's not been sold by then, you, you just have to accept that he owes the. Well, I personally feel you have to accept that he owes the club nothing. You know, he's come through the academy. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. F- carry the weight of the cost of the academy on his own back he's played 200 times for the club captain the club to promotion and had he left in left for free um in the summer i wouldn't have blamed him i think that i would have done in his shoes um but crew got a really i think they got about half a million for him from cardiff which i think is a pretty sensational price they think it's a sensational price as well because he's doing so well for them which isn't a surprise to crew fans but for a player from a league one club to to go for that much money when he was going to be free in a few months i think is uh, is absolutely brilliant and and like i say um i think if you know the, the players running down the contracts i think it crews huge you, you have to accept that they're not trying to not be sold they all they all want to play for bigger clubs and earn more money that's the yeah. whole aim for everyone at the club really um and if and if they haven't been bought by the time they're 24, then I think they're within the rights to say, well, you know, I've played for you for five years, and and now I've got to go and um, you know try my luck elsewhere. We expect Ryan Wintle probably to do that this summer. He's another, he's a really good player, midfielder. He'll be a big miss for us. Um, but he, he that's it. He's, he's he'll be old enough to to leave for free, and I think he he will. 
Harry mm. Pickering Harry Pickering was sold in the window as well for a bit more money to Blackburn, um, but he immediately returned on loan. So that's been a really good deal for Crew because he's an excellent left back, sure. um, important player. So he'll be leaving in the summer. He wasn't he wasn't out of contract anyway, so he was going to command a decent fee. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm pretty sure that Blackburn will be very pleased with that acquisition because um, he re- he really is one that could um, could go right to the top. I think. Mm, I think we know a little bit about Ryan Winter. I'm sure he scored the winner in December, if I'm right. He won win, last-minute goal. Right, don't ask me. I'm terrible. <laughs> I don't yeah, I'm sure, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that was the case. Um, it seems like you were talking as we opened up about trying to see the bigger picture. And I'm seeing the even bigger picture as having no emotional or professional you know, connection with crew. Is that maybe the keeping that Category 2 academy... As long as crew stay in League Two in the Football League, but keeping that academy for me as an outlaw, you know, outsider, is almost as important as you know wanting to push on and try and get into the Championship. Do you know what I mean? It's, I think it's crucial for the way the whole club's structured. And if you've lost that, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it, well, yeah, it is. Um, and they made, they've never made any secret about it. Um, and I think that's that's part of the reason it works. They don't pretend that. Um, that they have any sort of desire to keep all the best players at the club and make them stay, yeah. Um, because you know to keep to keep the team better because they they need the money to um, to keep the whole system going. Equally, yeah. no, equally it, it, the system would fall down if if they were ever seen to be keeping, say, Harry Pickering or Perry Ng longer than they sort of wanted to be kept because. The kids wouldn't sign for Crew then. The whole yeah. point of signing for Crew and not one of the other many clubs around the northwest is that you you get excellent coaching all the way through. You're not you know you're you're sort of a big big fish in a small pond rather than you know the the reverse at, at a you know Premier League club or whatever who can offer you more money at the time. Yeah. You get the opportunity to play as soon as you're anywhere near the level, um, and they will let you go. When the time is right, if you yeah. if you if you don't fulfil any of those promises and you're seen to not fulfil any of those promises, then kids will just stop signing for Crew. You, yeah. There's no point. There's no point in being at Crew. You may as well go and double your money up to take double. God knows what uh, how many times <laughs> you multiply your, your money. You know at, at uh, Man United, Man City, or all the rest. Um, yeah. So so the whole thing has to be pretty transparent and and fairly run um, with the the players and their own careers right up there in terms of the priorities along with results for the first team fundamentally you've got to win enough games to be successful uh, yeah. in the football league otherwise again the uh, the whole system falls down but it's that balancing act and and the club have never made it made any secret of the fact that uh, that's what they're trying to achieve let's move to a match prediction then because we've talked a little bit about burton's results which are fairly patchy at the moment although there's been some high points like the win over Doncaster. Northampton's form is a little bit hit and miss. We're not exactly threatening the goal hugely. So I've given you a little bit of a clue there. So I'll let you go first with your match. <laughs> Just... um, yeah. Um, well, they don't, crew very rarely keep a clean sheet. Um, and they do, they can, they can struggle. You know, I don't think they've had much fun at um, six fields for a while. Um I would I would say one all I think I don't see a crew a crew clean sheet they normally they normally can score a goal in against Burton but normally can score it it, it will be um, I know the style of 
players change a little bit, but it, w- it will be, again, a situation who can impose their style of play and who can assert yeah. themselves yeah. in the game. And crew tend to be much more successful at that at home. The home record is really, really good. Um, and I don't, I don't buy into uh, any of this sort of superstitious type stuff, but they haven't actually won on a Saturday since before Christmas. All right, that's interesting. Hopefully that continues. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how interesting it is. Somebody pointed it out to me, and, it, and 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 I sort of, yeah. I'm not I'm not into those sort of bogey team type ideas, and certainly not bogey days. Yeah. But you know, the fact is, they played a lot of Saturdays and not one on one, so uh, probably wouldn't be uh, sensible for me to predict a crew win. So I'll say one one. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I think that actually extends to us as well. I remember um, my colleague on the podcast, James Ever, was saying that. We hadn't won on a Saturday for ages, so that might be an indicator that a draw might be quite good. So I know we did snatch one win um, on a Saturday, but I think I'm going to go two one to Crew. I'm more sort of a realist on this. I think that, like you say, Crew are slightly vulnerable to conceding, but I just think our pitch is improving now under John Brady. The uh, Corkmire is leaving us. Uh, the Keith Kerr sort of play um, reduced, but. So that might play into Crew's hand slightly more on an improving pitch. I just think Crew's midfield superiority will show and that will produce a couple of goals for Crew. So I'm going to go for 2-1. Thanks for talking to me and then enjoy the game. All right, no worries. Thank you. Yeah, mate. Uh, let's move on to... It was um, St. Patrick's Day this week. I don't know if you missed it. The only way I really know normally it's St. Patrick's Day is people out in town at midday wearing those stupid Guinness hats. would. <laughs> If it if they're not doing that, I'm a bit lost when St Patrick's Day is. But apparently it was this Wednesday. Martin would know. Um, so I just put it out there on Twitter. Any famous or favourite Irish cobblers? And there's been quite a few. Um, have any of you guys got an Irish cobbler off the top of your head that you want to talk about? Gobby Eddie, McGoldrick, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Probably one of the most successful players in like the kind of semi-recent time. Um, what a career he went on to have and we've said before haven't we he wasn't even like the, the head and shoulders sort of stand out amongst that team yet definitely went on to have the best career out of all of them didn't he in, you know for international sure. football yeah well, he left yeah. I mean he was, a, he was a winger wasn't he for us and then he uh, played centre half a few times when they, play, when they played in a three uh, but ended up really successful at sort of both our, uh, Palace and then Arsenal as a as a centre half, which was you know a sweeper, which was kind of you know quite a an unusual an unusual thing back then. But yeah, he was you know almost anyone who was part of that that Graham Carr side really sticks mm. out. And, you know, while we kicked around a few numbers when we were chat names or we chatting, hard to see beyond him in terms of Irish cobblers players who had a, you know gone on to, to bigger and better things. And what yeah. a guy as well. I mean, Tom, your interview with him was. Excellent. Another little plug for that. Really, really good. It's funny because I've been working back in town again this week and I got the um I was driving down into town yesterday and I saw a young lad in a Crystal Palace tracksuit. I thought, oh, there's one of Eddie's uh proteges that he looks after now, doesn't he? Because that's what he does now, doesn't he? Coaches the um they've got like a, a palace kind of academy thing, haven't they, at Northampton College. They've got to be called Eddie's Eagles, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But when me and um, Andy spoke to him, Andy sorted that interview out. So fair play to Andy. And 
when we I've spoken to various Cobblers players and without any disrespect to other Cobblers players, very few have had the depth of career that Eddie Bogoldrick had. And just when he got onto the Irish section, it was just an absolute delight to listen to, wasn't it, Andy? Especially people like um, Paul McGrath, you know, people like that. Just fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, completely. It was that lovely um, well, connection of, of the Cobblers and and Ireland, which, I mean, you don't have to be Irish to appreciate what Jack Charlton and that team was all about. And um, Eddie, you know, Eddie was part of that as well. I think it was actually um, Jefferson, um, you know, su- subbed out tonight. I think he mentioned it might have been one of you other, one of you, excuse me, um, one of you, uh, one of you others, in fairness. But um, Jack Charlton actually came down to the Cobblers quite a bit in that season, and uh, based a lot of his, a lot of the way he. he sort of um, set up that island team on, on the way Graham Carr did did it with the Cobblers, which which was news to me. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and Eddie McGoldrick was obviously part of that and went on to be a bit of a favourite of Jack Charlton's, went to the World Cup with him. So he sort of spans those two worlds, really, the Cobblers and that, that great Irish era as well, which probably, again, people our age have got a lot of affection for. Mm, yeah, and the thing for me about Goldrick oh, is not just obviously playing for Northampton and being part of that brilliant team, going on to Arsenal and <clears> playing at Highbury under George Graham, I think it was obviously Crystal Palace in between, and then going to the World Cup. There's not many Cobblers players have done that. And yeah, if you can listen to the podcast we did with Eddie McGoldrick, I really recommend it and especially the Irish parts some of their legendary nights out they had some of them the night before the game wasn't it Andy crazy uh yeah the one that uh, always the Jack asking his wife did I pick him I think it's about John Sheridan wasn't it so John Sheridan saying that he'd been told he was going to be in the team and then he wasn't and then went up and had a word with Jack Charlton and said did I did I tell you that <laughs> and they're in a hotel lobby at the time, and he said his missus was there. I think they were checking into a hotel with a whole squad. Yeah. And Jack Charlton was there with his missus. And did I? Did I tell him? <laughs> I and know. Um, is... No, I, I know. Eddie McGoldrick is a big favourite of the TV presenter Dermot O'Leary. <laughs> Supports Arsenal, I think, and just that sort of nor that. Uh, North London Irish community is pretty strong. I think that was where um, Eddie was born from Irish family, obviously. But yeah, so big fan, you know, big with the Irish uh, Arsenal fans, a big popular player. So the last, the last Republic of Irishmen to score for Arsenal. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm. No, Quinn played for Arsenal, didn't he? But that's probably before, wasn't it? That was before that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just a, a, a brilliant player and. Uh, Slightly before my time, but Martin and you guys saw him a little bit. So what a player. Um, let's go to some of the other ones. There's quite a few, so we'll get through some of them. Um, Theo Foley, just a big name at Northampton. Big name at Arsenal, actually, funnily enough. The only Irishman in the team when we played at the Summit. That was from uh, Marvo on Twitter, which is fair enough. And represented Northampton on the pitch in the dugout brilliantly. Died fairly recently, but um, yeah. Bit of a legend at Northampton Sound, so that was a good one. Uh, A.D. Richards tweets us quite a lot of some good ones. Roy O'Donovan, 
who, after leaving Sixfields, has played in Singapore, Indonesia and Australia. He's now an Australian citizen. Uh, seems he's had an interesting time with suspensions in Australia. But I think he might have been an A.D. Bufroyd signing, but he was quite a skillful player, wasn't he, Roy O'Donovan? I liked him. Yeah, he um, he was quite key in that, that run of playoffs. I think um, the the season we lost we lost Bradford under under Boothroyd. Um, he was yeah he was good. He added a bit. He could he could he could score goals. I know a few. He was he seemed a bit, little bit marmite. But some fans liked him. Some didn't. But we didn't have many that too many that scored a decent amount of goals. And he certainly added something. I, I was very much a fan. But yeah, I think um, he's had a fairly interesting career path since leaving us. Yeah, well, he's living in sunny Australia, so he's not doing too bad. Um, I always remember him from that goal at Port Vale. That's my standout. He's, I think it was a top corner sort of strike from quite far out. A brilliant goal. Um, he, this this is on Wikipedia. So I'm looking at Roy O'Donovan's Wikipedia. And apparently he played for Blarney Street United in Cork as a schoolboy. Now, what a, what a name for a club. Um, Blarney Street United. And then he went on to Cork City. So he's a Cork guy. Currently Cork. Um, Cork City played 79 times for them. And then he played for various teams. He played for Sunderland, actually. Another link from what we talked about earlier. And then loads of other, other teams. But a good little player. And, um, yeah, I always liked him. Andy Bodfish has tweeted us, probably forgetting he's actually on the show, but Andy, we'll let you off. You know, we, we like all your content. I'm also a listener, Tom. <laughs> as long as you listen to this as much as Martin used to listen to Cobbler's Soccer Line, where we absolutely laugh. Um, uh, Dave yeah, Savage. I'm, I'm tucking into peanut Andy. butter sandwiches as we speak. <laughs> uh, Dave Savage for you, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, I quite liked him. Um, part of the Atkins era. And, I mean, again, I, I briefly had a look at his stats. And he must have played pretty much every game in the three years he was there. He was there for three years, played 110-odd times. He was so, quite a good um, player, wasn't he? And very wholehearted, as I remember. I can't remember matches about him, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, good engine, middle of the park, um, Atkins player. Um, just, just, just massively, massively put a shift in every time I saw him. Quite liked mm-hmm. him. Also, a Republic of Ireland international. Took over almost the, you know, the, the Cobblers alumni representation just after Eddie retired. He played five or six times for Republic of Ireland, '96, I think. Yeah, I don't think he ever got back in, did he? While he, I think he played for Ireland while he was at, um, at Millwall, but he, ne- he never got back in when he was with us, sadly. No, but still, right. international it's caps, nothing right. to be sniffed at, no matter what country it is or the way you did it. So that's really good. <clears throat> um, Stephen Tomlin, super Kevin Thornton. He's a bit of a favourite of the podcast, especially Jeff loves Kevin Thornton. Let's call him an enigma. Probably one of the most skillful players I've seen in our sort of era, putting on the cobbler shirt just from pure audacious skill. Uh, his attitude probably a bit sort of... a. Happy-go-lucky, should we say, in being kind to football. But, you know, not everyone is super studious as a footballer. So he scored some quality goals and uh, completely important in that team against Liverpool that beat Liverpool. So he shushed the cop. Now, that's pretty pretty decent. Not many players get to do that. So that was a good one from Stephen Tomlin. Um, Keith Buckby has gone for a couple. Ender Stevens. Now, probably fill me in here. I think he was here in the time of Chris Wilder, but... 
went on to higher things, didn't he? Does anyone know? Sheffield yeah, he's a Sheffield, Sheffield United now. Yeah. He um, just seemed a, a fairly good right back, uh, left back rather. Um, not, you know, nothing wrong with him. Seemed perfectly, perfectly fine. Didn't necessarily leave it, and you're thinking, oh, he's going to go on and be like a Premier League player. But yeah, he's had a really good career. Obviously, Wilder liked him because he got him back at Sheffield United, and I think pretty much, you know, first first choice left back there. Yeah, so obviously bit of a decent player, one of these players, sort of transient players that just comes through a little bit, but um, very good player all the same. So that was good from Keith Buckby. Um, Ashley Hardy, Brendan Maloney, probably needs no introduction really, all this, the great stuff he did in that amazing 2015-16 championship season, absolutely instrumental at right back. So that's a really good choice from Ashley Hardy. Um, you've done it as well, Martin. You've tweeted us, even though you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you went for... Taj, Taj, the Tadger Purcell. Now, what a name to drop. Uh, that we pronounce Thai as our oh, is it? Sorry, sorry. Gaelic spelling works. Thank God you're here, Martin. Thank you. <laughs> Apologies to the Irish people. <laughs> but yeah, we had, we had, um, we had, I think I mentioned, so Ty Purcell came in and I think he came with a decent reputation, big, big, strong forward, never really, he might have got a couple of goals, I think, but had one season once ago. But I always remember we signed another guy the same season, it turned out to be, um, I think as someone commented, because I couldn't remember the name, uh, Stephen O'Flynn, who was kind of even bigger, even nastier, but wasn't wasn't as good. Um, but yeah, we had, we had that little spell of like a couple of like big lads that came, came over the water, but but never really worked out. But I think I think I'd said, you know, even though I'm massive soft for Brendan Maloney, not just because he's a near namesake, but um, a wonderful, wonderful footballer and, um, as you say, instrumental in that 2015-16 team. But, yeah, Eddie Goldrick, though, in, in my sort of life of watching, kind of stands head and shoulders above everybody. Mm. I remember um, Tyg, not Taj Purcell. Sorry, I called you Tadger, Tyg. Um, Tyg Purcell was actually very good before he got a very bad injury, didn't he, as far as I remember? I can't remember what the exact injury was. Might well have been a knee. Yeah, but he looked pretty pretty useful up until that point. So just as one of those ones where you get a bad injury. Um, a couple of other people tweeted us. Uh, David Smith tweeted us to say, Dave Savage for me. Um, when his contact contact was com- contract was coming to an end, laughy face. But you can add Fred Murray to the mix. Quality player. Oh, yeah. Injury got the better of him. Martin. Fred yeah. Murray was a fullback, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Le- uh, I think a left back, left back stroke centre back came from Cambridge. Might have came at the same time as Tom Youngs did. Uh, Cambridge had quite a good side then. I think we got two of their be- better players, but for one reason or another, neither really worked out for us. But I think Murray was pretty decent before an injury kind of saw an end to his career with us. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, an end to his actual career. Uh, I don't think he played professionally again, but. Oh, immediately having to look that up now. Fair enough. But yeah, definitely a good player. Um, Ali1973 Tolbert, he mentioned Stephen O'Flynn. Who can forget Stephen O'Flynn? I think I have forgotten him. So <laughs> that was, I think that was the guy, I think I'm sure that was the same season as, um, as Ty Purcell was there. Yeah, so a bit of an Irish connection. I'll just... Uh, quickly google Stephen O'Flynn and see 
where he came from in Ireland. I remember absolutely losing it with him in a game once when he was through on goal and he should have scored. I remember absolutely... I don't do it very often. Like Jake always talks about the regrettable incident at Milton Keynes Dons once. But yeah, that was another one. He was through on goal and it was just like, I don't know. For, it looked like the easiest chance. It probably wasn't, you know. We play football. It is hard to score. But yeah, I've, I've, I instantly regretted it. But I just, yeah. I, I, I used some very regrettable language. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> but to be fair, I think we're doing him a disservice there because I'm just looking at his career. And he played for every Irish team under the sun, as far as I can see. He's another Cork guy. He played for Cork City, Limerick, Cork City, Derry City, Galway United, Limerick. Northampton Town, Limerick, St. Patrick's Athletic, Institute, Crusaders, Glen Turin, Donegal, Celtic. And um, that's, that's quite a roster of Irish clubs. But apparently he went to Derry City in 2005. The move reignited his career and he weighed in with several goals for Derry City, including a winner against IFK Gothenburg in the 2006-07 UEFA Cup. So that's pretty useful, Andy. Can't be sniff at that, can you? A UEFA Cup goal? No, mate. Yeah, it's um, very good. Um, didn't know that. Nice mm. shout that. Yeah. I've got, and, a, uh, I've got a great anecdote about Fred Murray. I just, just wanted to check I was right. He, he kind of drifted away to non-league after us. He's now a physiotherapist. Okay. One of his clients, Dave Grohl, after his broken leg in 2015. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Foo Fighters. It's so, uh, it became after this became public knowledge. The rock star thanked him in media interviews in 2017, and even dedicated a song to Murray on stage at a 20 a 2019 show. That's superb. Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, mate. There's your episode title for this. Something to do with Fred Murray sorting out Dave Grohl's uh, knee. Dave Grohl's physiotherapist. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I reckon when he was on the, uh, he had him on the physio table. He used to recall his time at the Cobblers. That was uh, <laughs> getting relaxed. Yeah, talking yeah. About playing his legs soon got, his legs soon got better. So do you know what? Don't you worry. <laughs> Let me tell you about my career in Northampton Town. Don't worry, mate. Oh, I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a good one. That was a really great story, Martin, about um, Fred Barry, but. Um, the main one that stands out for me is from Frank Savage, who I believe is an Irish Cobblers fan himself. So, yeah, he lives in Tipperary in Ireland, so he knows what he's talking about. Frank Savage tweeted us, uh, I thought Ollie Cahill, who was a cobbler from 1994 to 96 from Clonmel, never got the chance he deserved under Ian Atkins, well, joined the club. Returned home, won five league titles with the top Irish clubs, held record for most European appearances for League of Ireland player, and now an executive with the Irish Players Union. <laughs> what a career post-Cobblers. Does anyone remember him? Probably a youth team player at the time. He was he was like always on the bench, wasn't he, in the Atkins era? He was like the he was the he was like your uh, bit like Bradley Sanderman and, and Jim Donegal <laughs> in the uh, car era. Cahill was always on the bench, um, always warming up. Probably quite, got quite a few appearances. He's just one of them, just one of those names you'd always see amongst the subs on the programme. I bet if you look through those programmes you got there, you'd see him on the bench. I told you, didn't I? I said the story when me and my mate 
somehow got, I can't remember what we were doing. I was, when we went to Sixfields, when it, it was being built, we snuck in and we were pretending to be like Ian Atkins on the bench. And my mate said, you, he goes like, Ollie, start warming up. <laughs> so there you go. Even in so you used our, to pretend in, in your spare time to be Ollie Cahill. Well, I, I did on that occasion, yeah. did on that occasion. <laughs> but you know, you knew a good player when you saw one because you know, you knew that Oli Cahill eventually was going to make 41 appearances in European competition, scoring twice. He scored for Shelbourne against Olympia Ljubljana in August 2003. And again for, this is an Irish pronunciation, Dro- Drohida against Lavabia Tallinn on 16th of July 2008. Now, that's a really quite a long career after leaving Cobblers, isn't it? Amazing. It is, re- it is really, really impressive. I mean, he, um, he came to us, I think, straight from, straight from Ireland. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's a list of, like, you know, all top clubs in the in the League of Ireland. Um, and, yeah, he, I think that, you say, the, the Glenn Donegal, Bradley Sanderman, 80-man role, he, he <laughs> seen, you know, who's going to sit on the bench for a couple of years and we'll think about what we might, you know, what, what <laughs> might have been. But interestingly... From the same, because t- I, I stuck Ollie Cahill into Wikipedia, I was from the same town, Clonmel, as Fred Murray. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do we need an academy in Clonmel? <laughs> Send Eddie McGoldrick over there. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Eddie needs to, Eddie needs to turn his back on Palace, come back to Cobblers, and yeah, and he could be the Irish sort of our satellite academy in Clonmel. So. Sounds good enough to me. Um, we could just have like next year because I was talking about St Patrick's Day without getting too stereotypically Irish. We could have like a Cobblers Irish reunion, maybe get all the players back, get Ollie Cahill showing us how he used to warm up. I'm not too light, also not fancy. Get a Dow Bridge Street. Stephen O'Flea now we used to miss one on ones. He has never forgiven him. Clearly, it's still a burning problem with him but yeah <laughs> but there's some really good Irish cobblers um there's probably a couple more but um they're all on our Twitter if you're listening um I'm gonna shoot off now I'm about to ring up cobblers club call spend a few hours on the phone listening about Ian McParlin's uh knee injury and uh you know Ian Atkins favorite lotto tracksuits but <laughs> take it easy guys and we'll talk again next week thanks a lot brilliant cheers everybody thanks Bye. Cheers, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.